This episode of Unlocked is sponsored by Indeed. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117, and you're listening to Podcast Unlocked, the world's number one Xbox podcast. Now, finish this fight. Master Chief, out. Welcome, everybody, to IGN's weekly Xbox show. It's Podcast Unlocked. This is episode 502 for July 15th. Yes, 15th. 2021. Hello to anybody watching us at PAX. I hope you're enjoying your PAX thus far as the PAX weekend gets started. I'm Ryan McCaffrey. Joining me as always, Miranda Sanchez. Hi, Miranda. Hi, hello. Welcome, everyone. Destin Legary. Wait for Bam. it. Bam. Hey, everybody. <laughs> no, you don't got to wait. I got it ready to go. <laughs> hey, Destin, good to see you. And making what I believe is her first appearance on Podcast Unlocked, is IGN's own Stella Chung. Stella, welcome. Happy to be here. Also, Destin's my boss. So, you know, he's, <laughs> he's the best boss ever. Right, Destin? You're oh, playing okay. this very well so far. <laughs> this is a good appearance for you. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we've, got, we've got plenty to talk about, as always, in the world of Xbox. There's never, these days, there's never any shortage of fun Xbox news to talk about. Unlike, you know, Three, four years ago when we were just thirsty for a drop of water in the desert as we <laughs> crawled crawled from week to week on episode to episode. But things are good. Times are good for Xbox in 2021. You know, uh, before we get rolling, I mean, everybody knows Destin. They know Miranda. Stella, for our audience that may not be too familiar with you, you are our resident, our in-house first-person shooter expert. You Apex, uh, you know, <laughs> Titanfall. I mean, you name the shooter. I mean... I, I watch your clips on your Twitter that you post, and it's oh my god! <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I'll I sh I will never defeat you in in first person shooter combat for ever. Like it'll just never happen. So, what's uh, what are the shooters that? What are kind of your all time favorite Xbox shooters, and, and what are you playing now? Ooh, all time favorite, definitely Titanfall One. Nice. Uh, that's that's what got me back into the love of sniping and realized that I can actually be a pretty good sharpshooter. So I definitely have a love for that. Uh, then Titanfall Two for sure. Um, and right now I'm playing a lot of Apex. I actually just reached Diamond uh, this season and ranked. So both seasons I've hit uh, Diamond. Both seasons splits. I hit Diamond, so I'm very happy about that. Uh, so I'm taking a break and I've been switching off to Titanfall Two multiplayer and going back to Call of Duty Black Ops. Uh, Cold War. So it's it's been pretty nice, like switching it up, you know? Yeah. Those those there's clearly a lot of respawn and respawn DNA in the you're <laughs> yeah. clearly a big fan <laughs> of what that team does. And why not? They're some of the best first person shooter combat designers on the planet. And they've been that way. They've had that title for what? Almost going on twenty years now. So Oh my god. Awesome yeah, stuff. I, I, <laughs> the first Titanfall game came out so long ago it, it Kind of makes me sad to think about, but also happy because that means maybe there'll be another game in the future. So I hope so. I'm gonna yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna crowbar a, a way to into the show to bring that up in a little while because <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, Titanfall. I, I know Miranda and I are with you for sure. I, I assume Destin as well because who doesn't love Titanfall? It was it was the best. It's and you know now that you make me think about it, Titanfall <laughs> one was eight years ago. No, seven years ago. Seven oh years God, ago, really. March say, 2014. College still. March 2014, because so. <laughs> it was you know, that first spring uh, after the Xbox One had launched, which, and that was mm -hmm. November 2013. So yeah, March 2014. Oh God. Man. When Miranda says stuff like that, I just hear in my head, Justin, you're getting old. <laughs> no! <laughs> 
That's my own brain saying that to me. <laughs> I, I fondly remember I was like finishing up college and I was just like, oh yeah, this game looks awesome. Like, I love Max. Uh, and then of course I dived into it and it was fantastic. And, you know, I think there were some of the issues of, I was really excited about it just being a multiplayer only game. And at the time, you know, people were like, no, you gotta have to have a story. And then they did this weird mishmash of story right. kind of crammed into the, to it. And it was, I think not executed super well, but the game itself was fantastic. Like the actual gameplay and moment to moment um, shooting was fantastic. But, you know, now we got Titanfall 2. It's great. Yes. I think I've told this story before, but real quick, Titanfall 1, the first time I played it is one of my favorite, like, work gaming memories, because we were at Gamescom that year, Gamescom 2013, so before the, the series, the Series X, before the Xbox One <laughs> had even launched, and uh, that was finally our chance to play Titanfall after it had been shown at E3, and man... The first time you call down a Titan, it's just like, you, and you hear the the oh. prompt, the cue. Yeah, it's oh, what a rush that is, and it just never goes away. That game's so good. Thank you for bringing it up, Stella, because now I'm in a better yeah, mood than I was. I, I could talk about Titanfall for hours. Don't worry. <laughs> well, let's see if we can figure out a way to do that here as we go on. Yeah. Uh, we are going to stay in the EA family for our first news story this week. So the next major tech innovation that could drive the future of first-person shooters that we all love here, according to DICE GM Oscar Gabrielson says it's going to be cloud, cloud-powered stuff. He was talking on the future of first-person shooter stream that's part of EA Play's ongoing summer programming, kind of their E3 showcases coming up, and they've had these panels leading up to it, yeah. which Stella, you know all about, because... Wait, what? This Sorry. Is where you plug, <laughs> this is where you plug the cool stuff you've done. Oh, for EA Play, how I got to interview them? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't hear Dester, but yeah, it was so cool. Um, being able to talk to them about all of their experiences, like working together, um, working on this particular battlefield was really cool. You can see their passion um, and being able to hear like all their ideas, what they want to do. For I mean, okay, Battlefield Sandbox has always been super impressive to me. Not all of their games have hit for me just because it gets very chaotic, but I mean, a lot of people love that chaos, and it seems like Battlefield 2042 is going to fuel that even more, um, especially with this new um, procedural generation that you're talking about. Like, I, I'm so curious to see how it's going to play, because we've seen the trailer, right? Yeah. But it's like, oh, it can't be that crazy, right? There's no way. But they're saying, no, no, it is. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, part of the panel, so Gabriel, since let me, I'll get to the quote here. He says, cloud tech is still, quote, a couple years away from really impacting games, but that it stands to have a large impact on the genre. Quote, cloud computing has really changed a bunch of other industries and gaming has barely touched on it. So if you think about a game like Battlefield, we have things like AI in the game now, destruction, actual procedural level creation, and the next-gen consoles, they are, of course, super powerful, but if we move much of that logic out to the cloud, we can do some really high-scale computing that we haven't been able to do in the past. Destruction, visual fidelity. I think it's just a couple years away, and then you'll see some pretty cool shooter games out there, I'd imagine. But we'll see. Now, uh, Destin, I know, you know there's, there was a game for Xbox, a little exclusive you may have heard of, called Crackdown 3. I heard that you got to play it. Yep, sure did. <laughs> when it was a totally different game that actually looked awesome. Yeah, they used they used cloud tech. They used the power of the cloud and they showed like the server load and these these little bars on the side. 
where you could see how much of the cloud was impacting game development. And they just scrapped that version of the game. Like what we ended up getting was what we're seeing here with, you know, Terry Crews as the lead character and Crackdown 3 was not regarded fondly. Let's just say that. Yeah, yeah I played it and it was pretty phenomenal when they were actually showcasing the cloud tech. We were the only outlet that was allowed to shoot off screen of it right. and show the real time degradation and everything. Now, it's interesting to hear DICE talking about how they're excited about the, the cloud and things related to the cloud because Xbox has been very clear that that's how old systems are going to be able to play newer games. They have Series X server-based uh, streaming machines. <laughs> I don't know how the tech works. Yeah, Series that, X shards in the cloud, powering the thank cloud. You. Thank you, Ryan. Yeah, so basically, <laughs> if you're playing on those old consoles, you're playing a, a cloud stream of a Series X, so you're getting that experience and it's really really interesting and then on the development side they also have services that are going to allow developers to use really powerful hardware to design their games via the cloud so microsoft and xbox they said they're all in in gaming and they mean that not just on the development side but they also mean it on on the the like <laughs> i guess the on the gaming side. side the gaming side the tech side well tech side is sort of all encompassing for both both sides so i was trying to come up with a better term yeah your uh, xbox is definitely all in though that's all i was trying to say <laughs> you're welcome by the way for exhuming the corpse of that of that destin's played crackdown 3 joke that had been <laughs> that had been lying in rest for a few years now go watch Go watch it because the tech that they were they were showing off there is actually really, really cool stuff. Yeah. It's unfortunate that Crackdown 3 turned out to be sort of a dud uh, because that demo is really, really interesting. And I don't think I've seen anybody do anything with that tech since then. Yeah. So maybe they've been refining it. And that's what he's alluding to I hope, it, in this interview. This sort of brings us back to what we were talking about last week as well with the Kojima rumors about that about mm. Kojima specifically be interesting in the cloud technology and development there. Uh, last week, we kind of speculated on what that could look like because it's just, I think for someone who's not in game development and doesn't really understand the technology behind cloud things, it's in the sky. Um, that's as much as I can say, basically. It's a very nice visual image. But um, aside from that, it's hard for me to kind of conceptualize like what that benefits for games. And so having specific examples like this really does help narrate like the ideas and the potential there. So if you do get some like really innovative creators, again, that was a Kojima rumor. We don't know if that's true. Um, if he can and other developers can come up with like really unique ways to use cloud technology beyond just like procedural generation or maybe making that as part of uh, their gameplay in some sort of really neat way, then I think we're going to see some awesome games come out of that because i think as we do get more powerful technology uh, there are ways to use it creatively and i think that's what i'm mostly looking forward to and of course we want the bigger more destructive games like i want to see you know like pens flying everywhere and like just the smallest detail like you know whenever you i like love hitting desks and shelves in games i just want to see everything fly around and more of that more detail just like and that's you know very small thinking i think whenever you want to say like oh but you can also just swat away a building and like everything just crumbles and there's so much detail there um that's absolutely another part of it right it's like expanding that so i think if we have something to kind of keep that going and especially in something like you're saying still about such like a, a chaotic first person shooter too i think that just make the action a lot more fun and engaging in different ways so yeah exciting. i think 
I think the fact that Gabrielson is saying this, who comes from such an influential uh, developer side, I, I think that's huge. Like, you know that they're thinking about the next step in innovation. And the fact that this was his answer to the future of FPS has me really excited. Yeah, the uh, Miranda, you, you reminded me, I'll, I'll give I'll throw in an old man moment here. <laughs> Go back to the original Xbox. Deus Ex Invisible War, which is regarded as the not super great Deus Ex from back in the day. Uh, there was the original all-time legendary classic, and then there was the reboot trilogy that that Eidos Montreal did that was great. But there was, De there was Deus Ex Invisible War, which was basically Deus Ex 2, and it was for PC, but it also came to the original Xbox. And part of the sort of step forward that that game was trying to make, because it's it's trying to be a an immersive emergent game is they had just physics attached to everything. So Miranda, to your point, like you could, I don't remember if there were any desks you could, you could just blast <laughs> stuff off of but like, there'd be a basketball sitting that you could pick up and actually, and there was a hoop and you could actually like aim and try and shoot it, which, you know, sounds kind of dumb now, but back then that was, you know, they were pushing forward with, with game physics. It used to be that that basketball would have just been glued to the floor and you couldn't, you could try to kick it. Not, nothing would happen. Nothing would happen. So, um, yeah, it'll be, I, I, I am really excited to see because first person shooters, I'm, I'm with you Stella. like, it's my favorite genre too. Like I'm not as big into the competitive side of it anymore <laughs> as I used to be, but like a great first person shooter campaign. I want to see that scale. I want to see that scope. Like if it's, if there's something where it can go from the minute detail of of stuff flying off a desk, if uh, if a grenade goes off in there, to you know, to just like an epic giant landscape with with tons of AI running around and vehicles driving around, like that's that's exactly the way I want to see the first person shooter genre push forward. Because I mean, here's an here's an interesting conversation starter. What what's the last first person shooter to really push things forward in a in a sort of I guess technical way that also created gameplay, Fortnite. Yeah, Destin. That's I mean it's third person shooter, but it counts. Yeah, I was we'll, gonna we'll say. count that. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. First person. But yeah, I mean people probably don't like to hear me speak positively about Fortnite, but uh, regardless, it did a lot. It added a building mechanic. It added uh, these insane events that would happen in real time it did things that nobody had really done at a scale that impressed the entire industry and it was it was really really cool to see that i hope that another game can come along and do the same thing i think warzone being a first person shooter has tried to do some of the things that fortnite did first with their you know ground explosive changing the map stuff like that stella not very succinct like, today i apologize <laughs> Stella, you're a big battle royale player apex and what have you like what what would you what do you think what would you want to see the cloud do for for battle royale games and i mean because they're already big scale games so what where would you want to see it go so i mean to to 
add on to Destin's point, yeah, like Fortnite definitely does a lot of things that a lot of other battle royals don't do. Um, I know Apex has a lot of things that other battle royals have built on, like the pinging system, which was revolutionary. Um, but in terms of Fortnite, like you can still destroy buildings. And if you could bring that to a game like Apex or even Warzone, that would be incredible. Because in Warzone, I a lot of the problems that I face in Call of Duty games are people who camp. But imagine being able to take away people's cover, especially in a game like Warzone where movement isn't crucial, right? Yeah. In Apex, you can move around. It's okay. You're not supposed to be in one place for a long time. But in a game like Fortnite or Warzone, if you take away people's cover, they're forced to play differently. And I would love to see that because I'm kind of tired of the camping meta, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, to your point, Stella, no one's really done that except for Battlefield, right? Battlefield's yeah. the yeah. only game that has allowed you to like blow up a whole building and change the map with levolutions. <laughs> so yeah to bring, I would to bring love that to that. the properties would be interesting <laughs> yeah that would be so much fun like it would bring so much change and it would make sure that every game wasn't the same right like the same formula like oh you just go and loot you know you hide and kill people whenever you find them um being able to take away cover would be just such a huge game changer especially for battle royales right and, and everyone for clarification too we're specifically talking about battle royale so yep. like <laughs> disregard any sort of destruction you can do in something like rainbow rainbow six siege and right. things like that because it's like a yep. very different kind of tactical game where you know removing that cover and removing um obstacles is definitely kind of a different tactic whereas um there's like that static map that you do have in a lot of battle royale mm -hmm. Wait, Miranda, Fortnite, you know, miranda's <laughs> like uh like neo in the matrix seeing the youtube comments before that, before they even materialize in the world she's like no we're not talking about rainbow six just stop this is the who bullets. i've become this is who i've become so. i just realized uh, we're watching my gameplay i was, I was like, like hey what? still it's you like, who is that i was like oh that's me <laughs> yeah i should take i gotta be watching this and take some notes no, Pause, no, my no. camera's here and my screen's over here <laughs> Is this a it, good? It was actually a very good game. We we fought so many teams here. Uh, but yeah. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. No. That, that that's and that's what I love about like the idea of the cloud to me is there there are a number of I mean you heard uh, you heard the uh, the gentleman there a lot of parts of Vince not Vince Ampella. We're sorry. I'm scrolling the wrong thing. Uh, Gabrielson. Yeah. You heard him say um, Oscar Gabrielson. You heard him say, like, he cited a couple of examples, and so that's, I love that you could apply it differently to a single-player first-person shooter versus a multiplayer game where the priorities are going to be different. Like, in a single-player game, you could really dial it up for whether, you know, whether it's all, like, the AI is offloaded, which I think he mentioned as, as one of his examples, whereas in a multiplayer game, you could, you could throw it all into geometry, like Destin's talking about with, with Levolution and the stuff that DICE has, has already dipped their toe in, so... <laughs> Yeah, I I can't wait to see it. Like I I love the idea of the first person shooter genre continuing to evolve. I mean, we've seen it make step changes over time, but we haven't. I feel like we haven't had one in a while. That was sort of the point I was driving at earlier, and and uh, I'm all for it. Bring on the cloud shooters. I'm ready. Uh, next up this week, we'll stay on the topic of Dice Dice LA, their Los Angeles based arm is changing its name to Ripple Effect Studios. EA announcing the move this past week, completing a rebranding that it's been in the works for more than a year. It'll be a new start for what was a support studio as it sets out to develop a, quote, yet-to-be-announced project that will follow Battlefield 2042. It will remain under the oversight of Respawn Entertainment founder and group GM Vince Zampella, 
with Christian Grass continuing his role as studio general manager. Ripple Effect's new name, which was chosen following a team vote, is the latest in a long line of legacy rebrands, etc., etc. But yeah, since opening its doors in 2013, there's that year, we're just calling back to 2013, 2014 on this show. DICE LA has mainly provided support for various iterations of Battlefield. At the moment, Ripple Effect is taking the lead on one of Battlefield 2042's new modes, which is set to be revealed at EA Play later this month. But behind the scenes, the studio is staffing up aggressively as it prepares to lead development of its own game. So, Miranda, is this, do you think, uh, do you want to see or think it's going to be new IPs? They're going to try some new stuff under Vincent Pella, who has been the one person that seems to be kind of immune from the EA, you know, I don't want to call it a curse, but the sort of EA influence that we've seen show up with with other studios they've acquired. Or do you think they they dip into their uh, their well of other IPs and things in the bank and and uh, do something with something they already have? I think they're going to go with something in the bank. I don't think it's going to be a brand new IP based on what they've worked on in the past. And also I could see them wanting to do maybe something story based for Battlefield. Um, just to kind of fill that gap. So, uh, I mean, they could go anywhere, of course, but although I think Vince has really taken a a big stand for Respawn and making sure that they do kind of have their creative autonomy, I don't necessarily know if that's going to be true for, you know, a support studio that's still finding its way. So that's, I guess, my quick take on it. Maybe maybe bringing back that Battlefield bad company that everybody loved back in the day? Get down with that. I know Mitch Dyer would appreciate that. It's one of his yeah. favorite games company too. Uh, Stella, now let me let me just throw let me throw <laughs> something at you. Falling back uh-huh. to early in the conversation, you know we've got Vince Pella overseeing this, so that's in the sort of respawn family of sorts. Maybe they do Titanfall three. <laughs> Uh, so when I got to talk to all the devs in the same room, I know that they talked about being able to support each other, like they've like bounced ideas off each other. So I definitely think that they might ask for advice and like exchange ideas. Um, I, every time, every time Apex and you know Titanfall devs are asked, "Hey, Titanfall 3? they always say, "Not right now," but it's not out of the picture. Um, so hopefully, maybe at least from Respawn's side, um, in terms of ripple effect, I have no idea what they're going to make. But it has to be something that showcases the strength of their studio, right? Especially since they're making this rebrand. And um, I know they did that rebrand specifically to try and reflect their personal values, um, what they want their team to emulate. Um, I know they're heavily focusing on community aspects of this. Um, And I I remember saying to Gabriel Sensei, I remember telling him, like, it it, it sounds perfect, actually. You really want to take into consideration the community. So you're saying every opinion matters, thus creating a ripple effect and he was like yes hmm. exactly so i thought i thought it was a very nice way of like showcasing their passion for the community um so i don't know i, I think it might not be a new ip but something to show off their strengths so I'm, I'm not quite sure what that would be but um something they're familiar with probably Maybe we need a summoning circle to will titanfall <laughs> 3 from ripple effect into the world right that's yes. i think that's what we need at this point it's gotta happen I'm, somebody's I mean, gotta do it it's been too long yeah, and, and Matt, okay, actually, imagine Titanfall 3, but you can actually destroy the world as you go through your... Ta- like, your yes. Titan's definitely going to crush stuff, right? Like, right. imagine that. Ooh, that'd be so cool. <laughs> I'm saying, like, I, I think the, the stars kind of align for it. Because if, if it's, you know, Vince is the group GM, he can say, yes, go ahead and do it, because my respawn teams are too busy with 
Jedi Fallen Order and Apex and and whatever other little projects they might be cooking up. And what's you know, it's a it's it's a a known quantity for them to for for Ripple Effect to to kind of get their feet wet on and and start building off of. And I mean, it does seem like whatever the studio does, whether whether we're you know we're we're wishing a Titanfall three here, but seems like Miranda, it's it, odds are it'll be a first person shooter, right? Just given the the makeup of the studio to date. Odds are yes, and that's probably what I'd like to see, honestly. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I speak to the room here when I say I want more first person shooters, but I want them to be inventive and different. I think Titanfall and of course, Respawn has a great identity with their brand of shooters, um, as is Battlefield. Like we see Dice and they, they just do this great, you know, I think more tactical and larger team based shooters, whereas like you have Call of Duty, which is very run and gun, one man army sort of deal. And and so there's always more space for different things there. And I would like to see something that is just another different identity for us to play with. So there's always room for growth. How about you, Destin? What uh, what comes to mind when you think about a new, you know, Dice LA rebranding, ripple effect? <laughs> what do you want to see them do? Yeah, um, I'm not sure. I'm always all for new IPs. A lot of people have been talking about a new Titanfall or wanting a new Titanfall. But I feel like their strategy with the storytelling of that universe, Stella makes these great lore videos about what's happening in Apex and how it ties back to Titanfall. I, I don't know if the, they would go revisit the, the Titanfall franchise because I think they would utilize Apex as the vehicle to do that. So maybe they make something for Apex that would be the storytelling aspect of the Titanfall universe, if that makes sense. Hmm. Yeah, so that's something that I actually think about a lot, um, especially having been able to talk to Respawn as many times as I have. They always say that they want to move beyond Battle Royale, right? They have plans for Apex beyond Battle Royale, which they've definitely shown with um, their arenas mode now, which is a 3v3. It's kind of like Valorant where you have to buy abilities, you have to buy guns. Um, so I'm really, like what Destin said, I'm very curious because they've been progressing the story. They've been very open about it. Um, I mean, they even added in Valkyrie, who is the daughter of the pilot Viper from Titanfall 2 too so they're progressing the story that way um and a lot of people are now asking well since viper got a backstory and we also saw bt in the background of valkyrie's art what does that mean for titanfall 3 does that mean that it'll continue on in apex's universe or will we get a separate game still called titanfall 3 you know right so. sort of sort of on that note too because you know i try to follow the apex lore as much as i can because i really enjoy it and i do love titanfall um, and thank you, Stella, for all your great videos because they're very helpful. <laughs> so, um, so shout out to those if you haven't watched them. Absolutely do. I, I would say too, it'd be odd for them to go with Titanfall three and not keep Apex in consideration, right? Because Apex is a continuation of Titanfall, and if you just ignore that, you're ignoring the future they've already set up, right? So, like, do you take Titanfall three after the Apex games? Like, do you have like post Apex things or events, or is it alongside that somewhere else in the universe? Because you know, there's there's other things going on, I'm sure, that are outside of Apex. Uh, but I think there's a lot of potential for them to do storytelling alongside it. And honestly, I'd rather that, too. I, w I want them to include Apex in part of that timeline because I think it is an important part of that universe. I wonder, a little wishful thinking here, maybe, but you know, Titanfall never quite took off. Obviously, there are we've had that discussion a million times. Mm -hmm. But uh, Apex, obviously, very much took off. And I almost wonder, has, would Titanfall 3 be more feasible now because Apex has elevated the, the awareness and the, and the love for just Titanfall as a whole versus 
if if Apex had never existed and and Titanfall one and two were kind of these, you know, critically acclaimed and and beloved but sort of underperforming first person shooters, I, I almost feel like now the odds are could be better than ever in a sense. Yeah, I agree. I think I think it's just the it's just a question of how do we brand it, you know? Because I mean, the Apex story is current, the current story in the Titanfall universe. So how would they continue that? You know, it, it, it gets it's a good, it gets a little time warpy if you really think about it. And I don't think we have time for me to like really delve into it. So <laughs> I'm not going to do that. But yeah, I, I think the only question would be, how do we brand this? Do we call it? Do, do we say it's the Apex continuation because that is their current live service game? Or do we do a Titanfall story that? Is still technically in the past and you know not set in this current timeline so it, it, yeah it's a little time warpy <laughs> and 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 well that too not just the lore but the marketing side of it i think too is is important like that's just a reality where they have this big brand in apex and this titanfall brand which is not as big you know maybe it's titanfall 3 colon an apex legend story like just to, just to work it into the title you know you never know <laughs> it's it's what they might do to try and you know mm -hmm. maximize that that brand awareness all right uh next up this week microsoft's compatibility team is added again fps boost has been uploaded and released for dark souls 3 <laughs> so on series x and s it'll now run at 60 frames per second uh, microsoft announcing it themselves on twitter and that's it. I mean, that's the news. It's it's good stuff because this is, you know, it's not the fast, it's not something like an Apex Legends where it's fast action, but you know, you've got a you've got a brutal combat game here that more frame rate is always better. Uh Destin, they said that they had to utilize a new method to do this. And I this this compatibility team and this these old games that just keep getting better, it's 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 incredible to see from Xbox. Yeah, it, it really is. And they seem to do this completely independent of any input from from software. Correct. Because it is the Xbox One version of the game, which actually ran at a lower base resolution, which was pointed out by Digital Foundry with this FPS boost, which is still an ongoing issue as of this Xbox Series X boost. But... It's really interesting that Microsoft does have the ability to say, okay, you're not going to fix the resolution issue. We can fix the frame rate issue, though. Let's bump this up to 60 FPS. Here you go. And hopefully those other quality of life improvements eventually come to Xbox because it is a bit of a bummer that the fact that this was released for the OG console would hold back uh, next-gen consoles. You know, it's certainly interesting because it seems seems like it would be easy to fix but i i don't know how you you adjust the base resolution i know dark souls notoriously like for modders on the pc has been improved basically it would come to pc and then modders would improve it basically instantly the day it came out by editing the ini files so um yeah dark souls is definitely a weird beast this to me just says that Xbox has more tools at their disposal to improve games yeah. easily w just by the system being a better system. And that's that's inspiring, to say the least. This guy's about yeah, the, to fight a boss. The, uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the fact that, like, you know, I know we I don't want us to get to a point where we 
completely take this for granted. I mean, it's uh, I think Microsoft, if you were to ask them, they, the compatibility team, they might say, well, if people are taking it for granted, that means we've done our jobs because they're just not thinking about it and expecting it to be there. And, and that means we're doing what we want to do. But there's a ton of effort that goes into these. And fans, we fans get to reap the, the, the benefits of that for free. There's just nothing. That's it. Like it's I I don't think this should be uh, should go underappreciated by the community. And not that I'm not saying it is, but I just want us to take a minute here uh, to do it. Because like Miranda, I would imagine even that has a sort of a a, a trickle down effect where I would imagine the, the Dark Souls three guide on IGN probably gets a little <laughs> bit of a bump because people go back to the game right when it gets this FPS boost. Yeah, absolutely. It's always a nice reminder. If anything, it's just like, oh, this is in the news. And I'm reminding or I've been reminded that this game has gotten some sort of update. And if I love it, what's the point? I go back to it. So (laughs) I think that's always a nice benefit of these boosts. Stella, do your incredible gaming skills extend to the Soulsborne genre? Actually, yes, I have beat um, I've beaten Dark Souls 3, Bloodborne and Demon Souls now. So, you haven't played um, the first one? I have. Well, mm, I have. Okay. <laughs> was the very first. Uh, 2014, I tried it. I was a heavy FPS gamer. I had no idea what Dark Souls was. I played it. And I was like, wait, why do I die? Why do I go all the way back to the beginning? Wait, why do I lose everything? I rage quit. That was my first rage quit. <laughs> yep. But I then I revisited. Should... Okay. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, like, oh, you absolutely have to. Because if you play one, like, three, there's just such a more appreciation for three if you played one. So, okay. I'll, it's so good. I'll try it because there's the remaster so now. But, yeah, I the mean, design is yeah. is gorgeous. Like, this, it's it's so good. I don't want to go on tired about Dark Souls, but, like, absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know a lot of people were kind of sad that I hadn't, like, when, when I got down to Orlando, they were like, oh, you don't, you don't understand. You don't and understand. I was like, yeah. yeah, and I was just like, I'm sorry, but. I'm going to beat the bosses. So <laughs> yeah, I, I can say yeah. that FPS boost on stuff like Dark Souls matters because every frame counts like mm-hmm. like a split frame might be might be the difference between your death and saving all of your souls versus just getting obliterated. So <laughs> love Ryan, it. yeah, yeah uh, I love this Microsoft and has said that it's fairly easy to implement for developers. Or somebody said that. I don't know who said that. I want to credit to Microsoft not knowing off the top of my head. But um, it has been implemented across a lot of games at this point. And it just means that the Xbox infrastructure has been set up to offer options and support like this to developers. And that's just great to see across the board. So it is much easier to update your frame rate and stuff on Xbox, which they've talked about a few times. So I just wanted to... Yeah, great to see it. Love it. Uh, Next up this week, the upcoming next-gen upgrade for The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt will include some extra free content inspired by the Netflix show starring Henry Cavill, according to CD Projekt Red themselves. They had their own little digital event, WitcherCon, and a couple of the developers revealed that the extra content would come included with the next-gen upgrades, which are currently planned for release later this year. They did not specify what the extra items would be. Uh, they did suggest it was part of a tie-in with the show and might include the ability to wear armor inspired by Geralt's armor in the show. So, uh, Destin, what do you what do you want to see here from this this Netflix content that'll be added into the optionally into The Witcher Three? 
a mission where Henry Cavill builds a computer. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't know. If you're watching the video, if you're watching the video, there is something that happened. I was like, oh. Um, but also uh, Dustin Agri. Sorry. Sorry, please continue. Yeah, right. So that's what I want. Henry Cavill building a computer. In all seriousness, though, I mean, whatever story they want to take us on with The Witcher, I'm down. Yeah. I mean, it, it sounds like my, my interpretation of this is that it's not going to be like gameplay content. I think it's mm-hmm. I, I interpret extra items as just that, like costumes, things like that, uh, that are going to be probably a lower, lower. Uh, input required from from cd project to put in but then again we are talking about a developer that did how many does anybody know how many free dlcs they did for the witcher 3 before those two actual expansion packs they had a bunch right yep there's a yeah. whole bunch so yeah and it was all free yeah right yeah so they're I, I shouldn't put it past them but um i would love to see i mean they uh, Maybe they'll go so far as a Henry Cavill player model to replace the in-game Geralt with his Geralt. That would be that would be pretty cool. Um, something I'd like to see that probably is too much effort and and maybe too much cost to, to the studio as well to have to pay for this. But you could you could have a Henry Cavill voice pack where he re-records Ooh. every bit of dialogue in the game, and and you're you're playing as the Henry Cavill Geralt, like. Uh, Miranda, you, you seem you seem to agree with that. If, if that happened, I'd actually play The Witcher Three. So, <laughs> oh, I don't okay. like Geralt. I don't like him. I don't want to spend a hundred hours with him. I don't really? want to do it. Yeah, I don't like him. I don't like him at all. And so, okay. in the game or in the show yeah. or both? In the game. In the game. The game. The, the show. The show is fine. Like I, I mean, the show was. I just kind of had an all while I was moving, and I was like, oh, the timeline. It's fun, but the timeline is really weird, and it's it's fine. Um, it was an enjoyable minute and I will watch the next show because I like Henry Cavill and I think it was pretty funny. But show aside, the game I know is like lauded and people love it so much and I understand why. It just really, do you want to spend a hundred hours with someone you're not really into? Like, do you really want to do that? I don't want to do that. So I have not that put describes myself my first that. marriage to a T. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was way more than a hundred hours. <laughs> Can we do that here? <laughs> you can do anything you want. It's fine. It's uh, okay. We make the rules. I would Perfect. say, right? That would be a great incentive. And I think there's a lot of little nods I could do to the show. Um, speaking of things added to the show or Netflix show for, to a game, uh, Dota Two and Dragons. Uh, there's Dota anime, and then they added the armor to Dota Two. So that was cool. I just want to talk about Dota for a split second and make a good <laughs> joke about it that I'm sure no one thought was funny. Like, God damn it, Miranda. I appreciate Stop it. it. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, but um, if we could get, you know, like a hidden PC room somewhere in Witcher 3 for Henry Cavill build a PC, it'd be great. I, or have, like, his Henry Cavill's, like, model in the game and he's just, like, hammering away at, like, a stone. Like, he's making, like, a stone tablet and it looks like a PC and he's just like, this is the future. And he's just like... Just credited as some madman, right? Like, oh, that's the town madman. Don't don't pay him any attention. That'd be so fun. (laughs) That'd be really good. Yeah, I would I would happily see that. That Fire the game up to play. Um, a final thought here. I I think it's hilarious that two of what are probably going to be some of 2021's most played games are going to be 
2013's Grand Theft Auto V, because that <laughs> that uh, next gen re-release is coming out in November, and 2015's The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, which we don't have a date for, but like people are gonna be diving back into those and spending a ton of time with these next gen versions. I know I for one, I've been wanting to do a GTA 5 replay. Uh, and I and once the next gen version was announced, uh, I I decided all right I'll just wait. So I'm going to be one of those people probably. Although if it comes out anywhere near Halo, then I'll be playing Halo instead. But um, I appreciate that GTA and now The Witcher will always be there for us if we want them. Is Hopefully. GTA Five going to be the new Skyrim? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Like you're um, you you half joke, but I think you're correct, Destin. Coming soon to our fridges. Um, I just hope that the cyberpunk next-gen upgrade happens before the witcher 3 upgrade oh god that's all i want yeah please cd project red oh that yeah that wouldn't be a good look huh that that (laughs) is yeah i did not forget i'm waiting to replay that game which one will which one's gonna hit first that's a really (laughs) might be like because they because that was planned right like whereas cyberpunk has been they've had to adapt on the fly to this disaster as it's unfolded so you might be right. It might yeah. be The Witcher 3 gets its next-gen update first. We shall see. Uh, I guess the last thing I'll cover in the news this week, just a, it's not really a discussion topic per se, but I welcome anybody's comments. I just found this incredibly sweet. So uh, River is the name of the German shepherd, the real-life German shepherd that Bethesda used to model dog meat in Fallout 4. Well, the real-life River... Uh, who belonged to Joel Burgess, who is no longer at Bethesda, but was on the development team for Fallout 4 at the time. Uh, River passed away very recently, and I thought it was... By the way, Joel, he shared a very heartfelt Twitter thread about River and and River's contribution, how River came to be in Fallout 4, which I I highly encourage you to read that on his Twitter feed, which is at Joel Burgess, J-O-E-L-B-U-R-G-E-S-S. But I thought this was great. Xbox, so Microsoft and Bethesda are donating $10,000 to the Montgomery County Humane Society. That's in Maryland, where Bethesda is located, in in honor of River, in River's name, which I just thought was was a very sweet thing of of Microsoft and Bethesda to do. That's amazing. That's so sweet. I love that. So... Fallout 4 was my first introduction to the series because it was the most modern one that came out. And, uh, okay, hold on, hold on. Actually, I have a, I have a Stimpak tattoo from it. Like, I got oh, it. Oh, look at that. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, I, I love that game so much. And Dogmeat was, I was like, why would we name you Dogmeat? I'm going to call you something else. I don't remember the name, but I, I just remember <laughs> loving, like, the companion aspect. And then, you know, she would, like, uh, trigger some traps. And I'm like, please, just come back. <laughs> Oh, there's oh, River. Wow. River. Yeah, there's, River. there's. If you're watching on video right now, you're seeing behind the scenes footage of uh, of in game River and real life River, or in game dog meat and real life River. I should say oh, they're doing so all the getting the sounds and the mocap <laughs> and just playing with her in the office. Oh, uh, it's sweet. So, yeah, River, rest in peace. But uh, very sweet. What what Xbox and Bethesda did there. So, love you. Love to see it. Good stuff. <laughs> All right, let's do our Unlock Block trivia. Now, Stella, this is the part of the show where... Uh, so, Destin, your boss, is extraordinarily competitive when it comes to this. <laughs> oh, so yes. Oh, I, I can... thought you were going to say... And just in general, he is, but yeah, yeah. 
if you can uh, get this trivia question correct and Destin gets it wrong, you'll it'll just it'll make your day a little better because you'll know it just annoys Destin that much more. Our it's trivia true. question this week <laughs> comes from listener Matt Headley, who asks this. Now, Miranda, I'm looking at you here. Don't look at me. This is a Gears of Don't War question. Me. Yeah. Don't look at me at all. I'm looking at you. That's Pretend whole- I'm not here. <laughs> Matt Headley asks, in 2008, Epic and Microsoft threw a contest in honor of the then upcoming Gears of War 2 during the first Rockstar Energy Mayhem Festival tour. The contest gave players the chance to play Gears of War 2 with members of a heavy metal band. Which band was that opportunity to play with? Was it Disturbed? Now remember, put yourself in 2008 here. Disturbed, <laughs> Corn, Slipknot, or Megadeth? Now, uh, Stella, you're a guest of honor here this week. Oh, God. I'm on the panel. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to you first out of courtesy. I hope I didn't just give you a, an anxiety attack by going to you first. No, not at all. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Um, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I was not paying attention to Gears of War at this time, so I have no idea. Um, can I phone a friend? Miranda? <laughs> you cannot phone a friend. I'm Dang so it. sorry. This friend does not know the answer. So. Crap. Okay. <laughs> um, see? Okay. You're going with Slipknot. Yeah. Well, Destin, uh, Mar- even though Miranda claims she doesn't know, she could be <laughs> sandbagging this because she is the ultimate Gears of War expert. Mm-hmm. Destin, I'll go your way next. I think it was disturbed, eh? Okay. All right, that leaves Miranda. Guess someone I wasn't a guess. I thought it was disturbed as well. So we're gonna go, eh? Okay, oh, you're, no. you're going with Destin. Wow, that's tricks. a <laughs> bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. Uh, I am pleased to say that Stella is correct. Oh, it was oh my god, it was Slipknot. Really? It was oh, Slipknot. Dang it. You could play Destin, Gears 2. I mean, I'm sorry, I love my job. <laughs> <laughs> you're fine. Get the next one. Oh my one. god, no. <laughs> I'm adding Stella to the leaderboard here. Oh my god! I can't get you a point. Love yeah, I, it. I honestly so thought happy. Slipknot wouldn't do it. That's why I, I didn't know Slipknot more. was too. I don't know. I was like, well, Slipknot—they seem like they would bad. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. Would they be, would they be down with the sickness? Yes, oh my god! I knew get out. See, get you're out. gonna twist get it out. and go there, even though that's. Get out. Oh my gosh, guys! Yeah. He just has to get in the last word. He not only is he competitive, he needs to get in the last word. That's what Dustin does. <laughs> That's uh, a countdown to extinction, right? Oh my goodness, guys! See, he, see now he's googling things now. <laughs> no, I didn't Google that one. That's Megadeth. That's one of my favorite Megadeth albums. <laughs> you call Don't him a twist fake fan too. My words, Ryan. Stop. Yeah, oh go God. ahead. That's that's corn. I will say. Oh my gosh! I will say it's really fun, at least with these like events around games, because I don't. I also like so. I just wasn't really paying attention to the larger things around yeah. games at that time <laughs> um so when i get to learn these though it's a lot of fun so now i know oh. who's down with video games and slipknot <laughs> there you go we all learned something today except for mm-hmm. stella who knew it even though she pretended she didn't I, yeah that's what i did <laughs> oh, yeah take the credit it's fine by the way ryan we did do trivia <laughs> last week but it was just for me and i asked everyone about party <laughs> games it was fair. I'll let you know. Yeah. <laughs> Good to know. All right, we've got a few minutes left. Uh, I do want to do the loot box here because this is a really good question from OC. I had actually wanted to do this one on the Phil Spencer episode while Phil was here. Sadly, we did not have time for that. But uh, let's throw to 
the OC for not the OC. His name's OC. I don't know. He might live in Orange County. I'm not sure. He could be OC from the OC. That'd be pretty sweet. But uh, OC's got our loot box video question this week. What's up, Unlock Crew? This is OC, a.k.a. Seven God Complex on Xbox Live, and I have some thoughts I want to share with you guys and a couple of questions. Um, in the past, we used to, after E3 and gaming shows or anything for that matter, we used to get reveals of games, and following that reveal of the game, with the year, even two years leading up to that game, we used to get a steady stream of content. Screenshots here, videos here, just something to show us what's going on with these games. But these days, developers seem to hold that information really close to the chest. And, for example, Redfall supposed to be coming out summer next year, but we have no idea when we're going to ever see anything on that game before it's released. So... My question is, A, do you think we'll ever get back to that time where we get these reveals and then we're getting a good steady amount of information to come little by little or anything like that? Or B, do you think it's outfall as the fans that online all the time, harsh criticisms of these games that early stages of frame drops in the demo online and everybody goes crazy about it and trashes the game so developers have no choice now but to keep it secret to keep the controversy from happening but anyway hopefully we'll get back to that time that's what i'm hoping for and keep doing a great job i'll see you guys on unlock Destin, i'm gonna go your way first here what do you think i mean this i thought this was a great video loot box question from oc will we ever get back to that time that he's referring to and and is it like is it our fault in a way for nitpicking every little thing on every little content drop? Will, will we get back to that time? No, I think cyberpunk put the nail in the coffin on that one. Basically cyberpunk would do all these pre-release streams. Then it launches and it launched in a really bad state. And now everybody is on like high alert, even going back further from that. You look at watchdogs, watchdogs putting out their uh, goal gameplay. And then their launch gameplay is like so far from, what their target was, I think we see less and less from developers who aren't confident in saying this is something close, like really close to what we're able to launch with. So, yeah, I, I think everybody's going to pull the reins in and be extra careful, especially when like, look what happened with Halo Infinite. Look what happened with Horizon recently and the reactions to like what a character model looks like. Mm. It's yeah, it's it's going to change how developers and publishers release things based on those responses. Stella, do you share Destin's pessimism on this, or do you think we <laughs> might get back to a place where we kind of hear more about games over longer amounts of time before they come out? I think it depends on the developer's style. I mean, it's not like we don't see that, right? Like, Kina has been pretty good about releasing screenshots, like art concepts and stuff. So I feel like it, it just really depends. Um, I don't know. I I, I, I do agree that we as a gaming community can be very harsh at first appearances. We could be like, oh, well, why does it look like that? Or like, oh, that looks rough. Why didn't we get gameplay footage? Um, and some developers just may not be ready. And that's okay. Uh, I think people still forget that developers are people and they have feelings and this is their passion project. And, uh, you know, that does end up affecting a studio. Um, I feel like I, I want to say that 
we will get half and half, right? But there is such a thing as too much content. Like there's a thing as too much, seeing too much of something and being like, well, now I'm not really that excited. Kind of like with cyberpunk, um, I, I don't want to spoil it for people, but there's just something really important that happens. And when you see it, you're just like, well, why, why am I invested in the first minutes then? You know? So I feel like there is such a thing as too much um, all at once. So I feel like finding that delicate balance is really hard. That and um, having to deal with community backlash or just community uh, feedback, I guess, is also just tough to handle. So I, I genuinely, I genuinely don't know. Miranda, how about you? What do you think? Anchor is still on it being a mix, right? Like it is definitely going to come down to the studio and what they're comfortable with sharing. I think, you know, the art assets they drop with Stella was saying with Kina is just like a really great idea. Um, we've seen 343 put out some like really nice detailed blog updates of what they've been working on, how things have changed. So I think there is still a level of transparency. It's just a little different. And I think at the same time too, you have to go looking for it a little bit more as well, because I think a lot of these studios are really just kind of giving them out on like their social channels and like on their own internal blog. So sometimes the rollout is a little different. I for one have also been really paying attention to Redfall. <laughs> so like I've just been like zeroed in on everything that they post because I'm really excited about it. I wanted to dig in any way I can. And so whenever they post something, I'm like, wait, you already posted. This is just part of a broken out article that you already have. Okay. Which is totally fine. I'm just looking at and seeing if there is anything new. So I think it is a mix and I absolutely the backlash that a lot of people have when they see something that's in development and they don't under i guess take that into consideration or give that any sort of leeway instead they just kind of glop on to maybe something that they don't like um and are really intense about it because i think there is you know with the internet a very reactive and sometimes a little partially reactive uh mentality around certain things it might be a, a, a vocal minority but even still like that can be a lot and it can be a deterrent and i could see why maybe um certain studios PR teams or their marketing teams don't necessarily want to keep pushing things when those are the responses they can get, even if it's not that bad, or even if they, what they have is great. Um, risking that can be difficult. So I think for some of these bigger studios, they'll do that a little bit less just so they can make sure what they do present is great. And also keep in mind too, that whenever people have to present things, uh, that means they have to prepare something. So that takes away time from development. So at that time, they're probably, if you guys don't know, when we play preview things, they're usually a slice of the game. So this is a thing that they prepared and said, here, this is the thing that you can play that we've, you know, tested, made sure it's fine. It's not like the game that they're working on at that time. So it does take them it, like a break from what they're trying to accomplish within their game. Like some team is going to have to go prep this reel or this slice for people to play or to see or to show off. Um, that takes away time from the rest of development. So I could see that also just being a deterrent of like not wanting to take the time for that necessarily as much as they used to before too with with i guess in conjunction of the responses that sometimes people get but yeah you, you hit on you hit on the thing i was gonna say miranda which i'm glad you do which is i i think it's the bigger games the big sort of mm -hmm. quote-unquote triple a things those are going to be the ones where i'm with destin where we're going to see less and less so that you don't have a or you you have a lower chance of having a cyberpunk like situation but Still, the the smaller games out there, uh, Stella, you mentioned Kina, which is which looks great as a as a you know smaller scale but gorgeous PS5 exclusive. Like those those kinds of games have to put more out to because it's you're competing for attention against those big juggernauts. So I I do agree, it's all changing, and I'm not sure it's for the better yet. But <laughs> our job is to adapt no matter what and get uh, get 
you know, get the message out in our way and, and get our opinions out uh, and, and information out to the IGN audience. So we will continue to keep doing that on places like Podcast Unlocked, which you've now reached the end of. This was Unlocked 502. Stella, everybody's hung out with you for the last hour or so. For those of us, those of the folks in our audience who this might be their first time really hearing from you, getting to know you, where can they follow you on Twitter, on social media, on Twitch, et cetera? Uh, so you can find me at Parallax Stella. Um, I know that's kind of a long name, but that's on Twitter, uh, Instagram, and Twitch, where I stream pretty much every day after work. I have a really weird schedule. So basically, I'm a nighttime streamer uh, and I play a lot of uh, Apex. So you can follow me there. Good stuff. Destin? Yeah. I mean, subscribe to youtube.com slash IGN games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. Keep an eye on that channel. Thank you for doing that. So I didn't have to. That's uh, that's unlocked <laughs> new home on YouTube. We did now it's now it's new place. So yeah, youtube.com slash IGN games. Miranda, what are you up to? Um, I'm working on some fun things I can't talk about yet, which is great for me because I love getting the opportunity to write. So I hope you guys will read the thing that I have coming up and you'll know about it soon. Uh, and then you can also find me on Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, and everywhere else at Havoc Rose. And that's Havoc with a K, as always. Yeah, I've got one of those, too, that I look forward to talking about at some point in the not too distant future. But for now, uh, for any of you who may be PC gamers out there, I had a, the great privilege of being part of a, a wonderful team at IGN that helped exclusively reveal Company of Heroes 3 today as uh, as we record from Relic Entertainment, the folks behind there. Actually, they're doing in a Microsoft tie-in Age of Empires 4. That's one of their teams is doing that. But they just announced the new entry in their long-running World War II real-time strategy series. So if you're a strategy gamer, PC gamer, check out all of our coverage on Company of Heroes 3. And you can fi find me on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. That'll do it for Unlocked 502. Thank you to producers Kate and Red. I'm Ryan for Miranda and Stella, as well as Destin. We'll see you all again next week, youtube.com slash IGN Games.